Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Harry's Podcast. I'm really happy with how last week's podcast was received. Got quite a few nice messages from filmmakers. It's obviously struck a chord, which is nice. And it wasn't all positive stuff in last week's pod. Obviously, the percentages of filmmakers that make a second film was was eye-opening to some. And that is kind of a depressing stat. But for me personally, just getting that stuff off my chest that I've been thinking for months was nice. And saying it out loud as well kind of made me understand it a bit more. I also received some positive feedback around the idea of directors meeting up once a month. So that's something that I want to make happen. I'll be honest, it's not a massive priority, so it's not going to happen in the next one or two months. But before the year is out, I definitely want to start that. It's important to me because it's about environment. And I think about that a lot because that has a massive impact. And sometimes I think I'm in my flat in Manchester. I'm not really connecting with as many people as I should be. And I think one of the best quotes that encapsulates this feeling is a Jim Rohn quote, which is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And obviously there are certain creatives and filmmakers that are constantly connecting with people and that is therefore improving them and, and sort of pushing them ahead so to speak, in their career. And then you have other filmmakers that feel a little bit adrift and they're not creating as much work. They're not connecting with as many people. They're kind of at a disadvantage. I don't I don't like saying that, but, but it's kind of true. And I also think if you are surrounding yourself with people who are a bit negative or either about your decisions on what you want to do in life or they're trying to do the same thing and they're still kind of negative and taking that the world is against me attitude then that's not really nice to be around i also think sometimes you'll you'll go to networking events and you'll speak to filmmakers and they'll they'll do delusional things because filmmakers like any other creative type person can you know be susceptible to being deluded they'll they'll moan about the fact that they haven't received funding or that they can't get funding and then when you probe a little bit further you realize that they haven't even written a script they haven't got, got a film ready for funding so stuff like that is kind of i think i'm a bit too long in this game now to kind of suffer that type of person it's kind of like it's a time waste really so this director's meetup is definitely not going to be like that i don't really want to tout it as a socializing thing because you know there's a little bit of that in terms of kind of meeting up and i joked to to one filmmaker saying you know, it's kind of going to be like an aa meeting where we kind of just help each other out mentally but for me the meetings are going to be kind of work orientated and very productive hopefully and i want filmmakers to meet up once a month and walk away from it feeling like they've gained something and they've got some feedback on the on the project that they're working on and even if they just come along and they haven't got anything at that you know in that month but they're just listening to nine other filmmakers talking about their stuff then they're hopefully going to walk away with something. I do like that idea. I know it's not groundbreaking. I know there's filmmaker meetups in in Manchester going on, but I think this one will be its own thing. And then also I can kind of share what we all learn uh, in those meetings, hopefully on this podcast. And so the exclusivity side of it, which I feel a little bit uncomfortable about, at least it's, it's shared on this platform. The last thing I'll say around environment and connecting with other people obviously i've done a bit of a podcast on this before in terms of we need people i had two 
really valuable conversations with two different filmmakers in the past sort of a week and it made me realize how much I'd I'd missed that and obviously you kind of always texting people or messaging or emailing and you you might have the odd uh, zoom but I uh, I met up with the filmmaker this week and we had an hour long chat and it felt really positive and productive as I, I know it's so simple but I would recommend that to you you know just connect with somebody grab them for an hour go for a coffee and and just have a chat and connect with them i don't mean a, a best friend or or even a friend it could just be a filmmaker that you've admired from afar in your in your community and just say you know can we grab a coffee can we talk through that meeting uh, i watched a short film of theirs and really sort of liked an actor in that short film and so just from that meeting there is then a potential of oh i really like this actor i might reach out to them which I might do, I might not do, but it's it's someone that I'm going to keep an eye on that might be a possible person to work with in the future. So something as small as that from just asking someone to go for a coffee might lead to a valuable collaborator. Some positive news this week is that my film Living the Dream has been accepted to play at Bolton Film Festival. When I first started making these very short films at the back end of last year, I didn't expect them to play anywhere other than the internet. So for Bolton Film Festival to see it and to accept it and for it to be on that platform is is nice. And I should really be making more out of film festivals and submitting to more. But I think in the past I have been burnt or, or felt like I'd been burnt when that probably wasn't the case. And so I, I've not I've not really delved there and because my films are made so cheaply, it would feel silly to spend more money on film festivals than it would the actual film so i don't know if that is logical it probably isn't but i think going forward i do need to submit to more festivals i also think film festivals can mess with filmmakers heads i had a recent conversation with a filmmaker that was you know he was worried about his film playing at certain festivals and, and what happens if it gets rejected from top tier festivals and you you do although it's difficult you kind of just have to put it out of your mind and, and submit to those film festivals you know the dream list but then sort of think well what are the odds and there are a lot of variables to what gets accepted nice to be accepted at bolton film festival moving forward i definitely want to get some more stuff submitted to film festivals and attend more when that's possible because i think as a filmmaker i'm i'm making good use out of the internet and the platforms on there but actually getting the work screened and and getting some recognition outside of the internet would be a must for any filmmaker one of the more interesting things that i took part in this week was a webinar with netflix commissioners so that was with chris sussman and sophie klein of uh, kind of uk original series anything scripted and it was kind of exactly what I expected I wouldn't say it was depressing it was it wasn't depressing but to put it into perspective they said a couple of stats in the webinar which was they get about a thousand scripts submitted a year and they commission six to twelve projects and they only work with production companies that have a track record at the end of the webinar, it was kind of like, what was the point of that? Other filmmakers might have left with something, with a nugget or two, feeling a bit more positive than I did. But I think to reiterate what I was saying last week, there seems to be this huge gap between filmmakers that have made a couple of short films or even award-winning short films to then the industry directing television or making feature films 
and working with a company like Netflix. So the thing that I took away from it, and again, I kind of knew this before, was you do need that agent and you do need the production company that has got a track record. It, it kind of felt like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that because, you know, you can see it from Netflix point of view. They're not going to just accept any script or any average Joe off the street. They're going to do some sort of vetting process. They're not going to accept unsolicited stuff, of course. And Netflix is known now for a certain standard of, of work and they want to keep that high standard. They said in the webinar they have a sort of an in-house mantra that is best of best in its class. So whatever show you're developing, whether it be sci-fi or horror or a comedy, that they want it to be really up there with the best there is, which again, you can totally see it from their point of view. So that, that webinar was about an hour long and I, again, logged off it and sort of thinking, well, that's not really taught me anything, but at least I know that's how far away that is. You know, when I was listening to it all, I was kind of thinking, this is like being a 12-year-old runner and somebody's come in and they're giving me a talk on how to make it to the Olympics. That's how that webinar felt to me. That might be massively negative, and I'm sure there are other filmmakers that took more positives out of it, but that kind of was my takeaway. At the moment on Harry's show, I've spent the last week improving two scripts, one of which is Horror Cells, which I'm still trying to prep and figure out. This second one is called Disconnected, which is me having a conversation with a therapist over video chat. That's kind of how it starts. And then he sets me an exercise that I have to go away and do. So those two I would like to shoot between the 1st of September and the 10th of September. It's kind of crucial I get these two done because then collaborators have work that picks up because work is picking up now in the industry, which is a good thing. So I need to make the most of this time and, and get those two done. Then I'll have six installments for Harry's show and I can release them every couple of weeks and whilst I'm writing other things. This week on the TV front, I've finished the rough draft of a TV proposal. It's only three pages. One page is just visual references to give an idea of what the show is going to look like and feel. And I also pitched it to a couple of people this week and that was that was positive. It felt good. I was thinking in my head, this isn't an idea that I've seen before on TV. And then they also said the same thing. It's a hard show to write so I don't think I'm going to write the script of it anytime soon. It's a crime procedural that's dark, like meant to be really dark and realistic, but then it's because of the premise of it, it should have an element of dark humour to it. And it's very plotty, but it feels nice anyway, even though I'm not going to spend time on the script, it feels good to have an idea there that if I, you know, make a connection or when I email an agent, I can say, here's a script of mine or here's a short film of mine. And also here's another idea that I'm thinking of, of working on. I should have been doing this a long time ago because then I would just have more ideas to hand because I, I do have ideas, but I just don't take the time. And normally it's only a couple of days to write a decent, well-written TV proposal. I'm really happy that I've done a TV proposal, but I'm also happier that I don't have to write it because it seems like a, a difficult show to write and I can kind of just put it in a drawer and then I can come back to it, you know, when I come back to it and see if the excitement is still there. The main thing I like about it is the fact that I've got a good answer for why would you tell this story? Because that's kind of a cliched question that you might get asked in a meeting of why did you write this? Why now? And for me, it's the obsession the culture has with true crime and serial killers 
and all that type of dark content that seems to be cropping up more and more. So it's a dark look at that. And also it's got comedy in it, which is kind of weird, but it does make sense with the premise. It's it's nice to get an idea down that you then know, well, I'm not going to spend six months of my life on that, but it is something that interested me and I've just written it and then I'm going to walk away from it now and that's okay. Because I think the tendency that a lot of people have, and I'm guilty as charged on this, is that I will get an idea and then I will just it will consume me and I will just stick with it for months and months and months and maybe I shouldn't have done. And now that, you know, that's hard. Sometimes it's very difficult to to know when to keep up with an idea and when to totally ditch one. I've even learned that when you are excited by an idea, if it's not something short that you want to make straight away or something short that you want to write straight away, sometimes it does make sense to just write a couple of pages of it, like an overview of it and just put it to one side for a week or so and and see if the excitement's still there. The writing of this TV proposal was also influenced by a residency I went on in South Tyrol a while ago because there were quite a few writers there from Germany, Italy, Austria, and they thought the idea of writing a script on spec was kind of strange. And, you know, I said to them, I'm writing this TV script and they said, "Oh right, who's, you know, who's involved with it? What what production company?" And I and I said, "Well, there isn't anyone." And they said, "Why don't you just write it as a a TV pitch then, a treatment, and then if somebody wants to pay you in the future, then you'll do that." And I kind of thought about that and went, "Yeah, that does make sense. You know, th- there are obviously some scripts and some ideas that you have a burning desire to get out and and you write them, but sometimes the odds are so stacked and it feels risky just writing a TV script for every idea that you come up with that the best thing to do is get the idea down and the concept and and kind of move on to the next thing. Besides trying to get these two scripts ready that I want to shoot, this week I've also spent a bit of time filling up the inspiration tank. So I've been making a short list of books and just certain things that I want to consume that I think are going to help my development and what I'm working on in terms of longer work. I've been picking a few books off the shelf and buying a few that I think, yeah, they'll really, they're going to they're gonna help this project. To other people that might sound like procrastination, but... It helps me and um, I think I am working at the same time as reading. You know, you, you'll you read a couple of chapters uh, in the morning and then that will lead to some ideas in the afternoon. So I think it depends how you use it. It can be procrastination if you just make a list of 20 films and go, these are 20 films that are really going to help me write a thriller. And then all you do is spend a month watching 20 films. That, that to me is kind of procrastination, obviously. But this is more a list of five books which i won't bore you with i won't give you the list of five but i i did start reading uh this week crudo by olivia lane i think i'm pronouncing that right and that was an interesting book because it was very short but she essentially she she wrote it over a period of seven weeks and it was talking about a lot of topics in the news that were happening in real time so she kind of wrote this book in real time but then she also incorporates the the persona of Kathy Acker, who is an artist that I don't know a hell of a lot about. And so it's kind of written from Kathy's point of view, but also written from Olivia's point of view. I found that interesting just from a, a real-time perspective. And it's something that I've been interested in because 
they're kind of mundane travelogues or what some pretentious literary people called flaneur fiction, which is a new term that I've I've come across, flaneur fiction, in terms of people being tourists and, and travelling around and recording their thoughts and interacting with the world around them. And so I've been interested in that because I feel like that's something I could make as a film. In terms of the short films that I've done, they are kind of people travelling about, having conversations, and, and that's about it. You know, and I've spoken about Patterson before by Jim Jarmusch. That's a week in the life of a guy sort of going about his day, uh, as interesting as that sounds. But that's the stuff I like and enjoy, and it speaks to me. Or another Jim Jarmusch film, Broken Flowers. Okay, it's a bit more plotty because a guy has something that he needs to do. He needs to track down a, a woman that he thinks, you know, has had his child. But besides that, it's kind of a, a mundane road trip style film. I'm kind of looking at fiction that, that covers that. That also led me to a novelist called Cesar Era. Again, probably pronouncing that wrong, but an Argentinian writer who is known for his prolificness, which I'm sure you can see why that appealed to me. And he is a writer that, again, is known for writing short novels or novelitas, as as they're referred to. Again, they might only be 80 pages, 100 pages. And he has this process that he calls flight forward, where he just gets writing and he just goes forward nonstop, basically eradicates doubt and any time to to doubt what you're, you're working on. And I think that is the, the burden that every creative person faces is that how do you deal with this doubt and sort of self-sabotage as you're writing, as you're going along. And if you don't have a strict routine, that wins. You know, doubt and, and all that stuff kind of gets in your head. So this guy obviously avoids all that and and just writes and writes and writes and he's very prolific and i think i read somewhere that he's written like 80 books or something i mean the guy's in his 70s but still like 80 books is mental so i bought a couple of his books one of them for example is called art forum and it's just about a man's obsession with trying to get um issues of art forum issues of this magazine which again to most people might sound terrible and that's not a book but then to me i find the mundane stuff like that very interesting because then i know that's kind of the plot taken care of and it's going to be very character driven and ideas driven yeah olivia lang was interesting cesar era i'm going to dive into and those two reminded me of hong sang su who is a korean filmmaker Again, very prolific, made a lot of films, and he's known for his unique process, which is essentially he gets his crew together, has an idea for a film, a whole feature film, and has characters, a couple of characters, has locations all scouted out, and then he basically gets up at 4am, writes for four or five hours, and then the scenes that he writes... He then goes and shoots. I'm having weird deja vu as if I've already spoken about Hong Sang Soo on this podcast. I apologize if I already have. Yeah, Hong Sang Soo has obviously fascinated me because he's kind of every indie filmmaker's dream in that he just gets out there and does it. And I do flip from thinking his films are terrible and boring and nothing happens to then thinking they're great and I really love them. He made a film called Claire's Camera, which I think is brilliant and very simple. And you should Google the the trailer for that because I think it's worth watching. It's just, it's nice. It's just nice to watch. And I think with a filmmaker like Hong Sang-soo, you feel like there isn't a ridiculous bar 
that you have to aspire towards and that you don't have to make this incredible film for your debut feature film, which I'm certain is the main reason that most filmmakers don't make a feature film, is that this pressure that we put on ourselves to make this masterpiece first film. Besides reading fiction or non-fiction like the two writers that I've just mentioned, I'm going to delve into the Hong Sang-soo filmography and, and watch a couple of his films because he's a filmmaker that shoots very quickly. He's very prolific and I like the way they're shot. They're very min minimalist in style and so I definitely can take a lot from him. I guess the patterns with those people is the speed in which they work the prolificness and they are things that i'm aspiring towards at the moment again might not be your style you might totally disagree but that is something that i'm interested in so if you like the sound of hong sang su and his wacky process i would head over to youtube and search the trailers for grass and hotel by the river they are both beautiful films and again not everyone's cup of tea, very art house and slow and mundane, but I do derive a lot of inspiration from his work. Next steps for me is finally get these four shorts finally edited over to Ryan to do his sound guru stuff and also to shoot these two films that I've had the scripts for a while and I'm tweaking them so hopefully they get shot the first week of September. That will give me the first six and the nice thing is the last two are the ones where I feel like I'm being a bit more ambitious and I'm stepping up. So watching these six, I can hopefully see where I can go next and shoot something that is 15, 20 pages. That, that is the goal. Hopefully that happens this year, but who knows? I'm not, I'm not going to second guess 2020. That's, that's not a bright idea. Thank you for listening again. Thank you for sticking up with this podcast. I'm getting some good listeners, man. This podcast is starting to pick up. You know, I'm going to be advertising underwear or, you know, some pointless household product if I don't watch myself. So, yeah, thank you for listening. And finally, I would say, please share the podcast. I don't say it often because it's cringy, but if you are sticking with this podcast and you are listening, please share it with someone that you think would like it and would get something out of it. That's all I ask. Thank you for listening. And as always, this podcast is produced by Ryan McMurray at Bracken Audio, and I will see you next week. Mm -hmm.